We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we have some movement. We had a trade yesterday. Lakers acquired Patrick Beverly for THT and Stanley Johnson. And this is something, guys, that it has so many different aspects to it that I want to have a Talon pod. Just I have a lot to say about the entire situation, how we got here. I'm actually very sad. Like, I think if you wanted my... 15 second, what do you think of the trade? I think it's a good trade. I think we added a legit in pen rotation player on a, on a playoff team in those high level playoff games for two guys that I think Jovan's done some good reporting on this that were not projected to be in the rotation. And I think that's ultimately a good thing. The fact that we ended up in this place with THT, I think is sad. Like it was kind of a bit of a gut punch, but. In today's episode, I want to talk about Pat Bev. We'll talk, we'll save the THT talk for another pod. And so before guys, we get into any of the analysis of him as a player or anything like that. I, on some level, this is a hilarious trait. I was talking to my dad, who is a casual fan, and he's gotten more into it since I've been hired by the team, but he didn't know all the guys in the NBA. And I had just done this Kobe 75 plays project, which longest video I've ever made. I was super tired. The trade breaks like the night that happens, right, is of uh, Kobe day. And uh, he was like, oh, you're done with work for the day. I was like, no, no, no. We traded for a guy last night. Oh, who did we trade for? And, and so I'm trying to explain it to my dad who doesn't follow the NBA terribly closely. And I'm like, okay, it's not quite on this level, but imagine if the Lakers traded for Danny Ainge and he was cracking up and I was like, not quite the same, but Danny Ainge did trade him to us, right? It's funny how these things end up working. And so before we get into Pat Bev as a player, where are you guys at? He's been one of the villains of the Lakers universe of the last 10 years, right? Not on the same level of a Danny Ainge. We haven't played high stakes games against them, but there are a lot of Laker fans. I thought of the night that we traded for Pat Bev where I'm like, you've hated this guy for years. So I don't know. Where do you stand, D, on Pat Bev? Before you get into the analysis at all, just the feelings of I got to root for this guy. So Pat Bev is a league-wide villain. He's mm. a villain 
to almost every team that he's not a member on, right? And so he joined he joined the Timberwolves last season. It's just like every time the Timberwolves played anyone, it's just like, oh, there's Pat Bev again with his, <laughs> pardon my French, with his fucking antics, right? And it's like he is he is the ultimate irritant and, and that wears on you when you are watching him from the position of an opponent. Mike, I thought Magic Johnson's tweet was like almost the encapsulation of all Lakers fans where he was just like, I like I've hated this dude and now I love him. <laughs> right. Flea tweeted out something similar Right. Which is like, oh, I'm here now to say that he is a glorious human being or whatever language that we use that <laughs> that 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 was equally hilarious. But this is this is it, man. Like it's one of the dudes where he is the ultimate. Oh, now now that he's on my side, like I'm going to appreciate all of the stuff like the the closest thing I could come to this, but it's not quite in the same angle is, and Pete, you will appreciate this, is when the Lakers got Carl Malone back mm-hmm. in the 2004 season. There was probably not a star, a non-Celtic star player that Lakers fans disliked more yep. than Carl Malone. Like, yep. He played for the Jazz. Lakers didn't like the Jazz. Anyways, Carl Malone. Ugh. Yuck! I, like right. I don't even yeah, like. Like you felt gross when you when we signed him. For, for what it's worth, I don't feel gross about this no. one. The Malone one felt gross. No, well, because Malone was a star player. He was one of the best players in the league for a long time, and he was a guy that you just disliked. Not you, but the royal you, all of us for sure. And I laugh sometimes because I think you you know I never want to see the Lakers lose a finals ever. But if there was one saving grace of the 2004 finals, it's like that Carl Malone never got a championship. <laughs> like, that's sort of how I feel. Wow. As, no, look. look if, hey, man. No, like, it says it all right there, I right? would have preferred the Lakers got another ring, but I'm just sure, saying. Sure. I'm just saying, right? So this isn't to the same level. It's not to the same degree. It's not. It's a little bit like it's not quite apples to oranges, but it's, I don't know, apples to pears. It's like they're in the same family, but not quite the same. so that's kind of how i feel mike you are a more neutral observer without all of the like the lakers i don't know pete and i were born in to this and you were here with us now do you but you are much more of a league-wide aficionado when it comes to like this sort of thing and i know that you've got a bit of a fondness for the wolves as well from your history and pat bev was a timberwolf last season and and he helped them and so what's your mindset around a player like pat bev and even if not pat bev specifically then even just that general idea of like signing a nemesis to a certain extent i definitely watch more timberwolves than probably most people and other than the Lakers, who of course I, I don't miss a game, I rarely miss a, at least part of a Wolves game, and I still talk to a lot of people there. And Beverly, to me, so even if you don't like the antics, which if you're not on his team, how could you? Right. Most recently in that game against the Lakers, where he was just viciously taunting Westbrook, right, for the entire game in Minnesota, um, and and I was there. I mean, what Pat. What Patrick Beverly is mostly about is winning. And so I've always liked Pat Bev. Again, take out some of the antic parts of it because 
he will Pat Bev loves winning so much and that he does not care about saying the unpopular thing about being the guy that is that is drawing the fire and the attention and what that does at the NBA level is produce winning because he holds guys accountable even when they aren't necessarily wanting to be held accountable and he, so he's like he reminds me of Chris Paul in this way and he grates on you because of that now Chris Paul it's a trickier balance for Chris Paul because Chris is usually either the best player or sort of the leader on the team and Beverly I think can be a leader but he's not the best player and you, you very rarely get a role player that is willing to go that far um, including at stars and Beverly actually describes this himself when he was doing some of his ESPN rotations and he sat down with Stephen A. Smith um, you can probably find the clip and he actually Stephen A. Smith asked him something about the Lakers and Beverly basically said well if I was on that team they'd make it to the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. and then he said why and he, and he uh, to paraphrase he basically said well I would tell LeBron when he was missing a rotation some of the stuff basically that only Rondo um, had the cachet to do and the Lakers, especially with this current makeup, and I get that this current makeup is sort of an oxymoron because the roster has changed so much over the last two years. But having a player like that is exactly what the Lakers needed on last year's team. Man, I thought that specifically several times. Like, we could use a guy yeah. like Pat Bev. They gave kind of like an insulting effort on just way too many yeah. nights. You don't get that on Pat Bev teams. And so, and so that's that's just that's just checks the box right there. We can get into sort of the basketball and the specifics. I know that Pete loves himself a ball pressure guard. Um, and I'll I'll wait till you get oh, in yeah. on that, Pete. But the last thing I want to say for to to wrap up this intro, just look at Pat Bev's net ratings. Now, I'm I'm again, I'm not a net rating. Uh, obsessed person but they're always really good okay last year's net rating for the wolves was 3.7 uh, that was fifth on the team the clippers the year before that third on the team behind Kawhi and paul george at 9.0 two years ago or 1920 season third on the team behind marcus morris and Kawhi leonard at 10.2 year before that 1819 uh, fifth on the team at 4.0. And that was on that team that had everybody injured and, and didn't have to be playing. Like it was, mm-hmm. and actually I take that back. He's third on the team there because Bob Mute and they have like Angel Delgado played two games. So it was basically like him and Milos Teledosic. So he's the accountability that Bev has, whatever t- we'll talk about the shooting. We'll talk about his defense, all that, just that type of guy that's going to battle that much clearly historically has helped his teams do better when he's on the court. And I think that what that springs from, uh, I've had a great time watching tape on him over the last day. He's so in the moment. That's one of the things that really stand out from just slowing it down frame by frame type of thing where you'll watch him say defend a ball handler. And this is something that he's defending B.I., he's defending Luca, those bigger ball handlers. Now they can go over the top of him, but he's not just guarding other guards and he's not that big. He's like six foot one. He blocks 0.9 shots per game. That's crazy because he's not this, you know, fly out of the gym type of athlete either. But he remember how Marcus Gasol used to block shots. Pat Bev does that the same way where he knows what you're about to do and where your gather points are. And just like the whole sequence of individual one on one me versus you type of play. And he's going to block the shot in your hand. So I, will, I have a clip of him blocking Brand, a Brandon Ingram jumper. How many people block Brandon Ingram's jumper? 
And it certainly shouldn't be Patrick Beverly at six foot one, right? And but part of that is he's so focused. It's great, like you'll freeze on a certain frame, and his eyes are just locked in on the ball or on the guy's hips, right? You know, they always say stare at the belly button. Uh, you know, when you're guarding a guy one on one, but he is so in the moment that I think even the antics come from that. Me personally, I am always cool with that. The only part of his game that I've I don't like is he can do some dirty stuff sometimes where I I, I don't think that's cool. But the pounding his chest and going, you know, to the crowd and all of the carrying on and whatnot, to me, D, that's a function of that battling. Like it, I don't care if it's a Tuesday in December or whatnot against a team that's not going to make the playoffs. He's in it. He's focused on it. And that ability to be present and in the moment was something that we very much lacked from last year's team. That whole like preseason, we're going to kind of coast through it or, hey, we'll get there. We'll eventually get there. There's no getting there with Pat Bev. He's always there. And that's a huge benefit to his teams. Yeah, he's the epitome of when they say like, oh, you better bring that same energy when, right? That's just like, yeah, well, he is. Mm -hmm. He's bringing that same energy, whether it's LeBron James or whether it's some dude who he's trying to bully because he's a first year player and he wants to bully him. Mm -hmm. That bully mentality can be super useful. And it can also be a little bit like, ah, come on, man. Like, we get it. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. sort of the part that grates on, I think, opposing fans and maybe even greats on teammates at times. It's just like, we get it, bro. Like, we understand, right? But there's only one version of this dude. There's only one Mm -hmm. version of him. And that's the version that's going to show up every single night and basically play the same exact way and do the same exact stuff. And that's going to come with its highs and its lows in terms of production, in terms of decision-making, in terms of just little things that you wish that he would do, do different, but he only knows one way. He only knows one speed and it's always go. It's go time with him from the instant that it's there. Everyone's known a dude in their life when it's like, I don't know if y'all saw this trend on social media where like, parents would like come to their kids and be like hey i need you to come with me right now and then the oh, kids to, fight? Just, to go yes. fight yeah and then the kids like what well where are we going and then the mom will be like well there's this mom down the street <laughs> and she's doing x y and z and she got a little daughter and i'm gonna go fight this mom and so i need you to back me up because if her daughter jumps in i need you to come and it's basically just I like the look on mike's face right <laughs> i know <now. laughs> This whole setup is basically it's like it's all staged, right? It's all to see like how down is your kid to get into yep. it. And some kids are just like, well, wait, why? I like I don't want to go. Like, I don't right. want to go fight, right? And then some kids are just like, like hey, let me get like, my shoes. Like, let's fucking go. They're walking, <laughs> they're walking to get their shoes. They're tying up their laces tight, and they're just like, some of these girls are like, taking oh my off God, their my mom needs me. Like, I'm pulling like, my say hair. No back. More. Yeah, yep. I'm ready. I am ready. So <laughs> at least where I'm from. Everyone's had a friend like, hey, man, it's time to go. Yep. Like there's action that's about to go down and it's, you better be ready now. Everyone knows a dude that is just like the car's already started. Like you don't have to once the words are just coming out of your mouth that, that there's a whisper that the action is there. They are in it. That's Pat Bev. Right. The dude mm-hmm. who's training on the beach in Tim's. The dude who is who is always up in you defensively 
the guy who is take trying to take all your space away that is all born from that same idea of i only know one way and that one way is it's go time it's go time right now and i love the way that you described it pete in that it's that in the moment mentality of Mm -hmm. the only thing that matters is right now. Yeah. Right. And like I said, we'll get to this a little bit later. That does lead to some mistakes. It does lead to some questionable decision making at times like, no, bro, you didn't need to give that foul. You didn't need to take that shot. You didn't need to make that play. Right. Because when you're in the moment so much, Mike, you're not always zooming out. And seeing the situation for all that that it is, you are so hyper focused that you do the thing that's right in front of you because it is go time. And so those are the things that I think um, the Lakers will need to be cognizant of within the context of Pat Bev. But that mentality alone was something that was so missing before that they need that in their culture, I think. So the mentality, right, and what Pat Bev has is such a difficult thing to contextualize and to evaluate as a skill. Like when you're drafting somebody, for example, it's not, it's just hard for somebody to to think and to know and to have seen enough, right? Unless they're just being watched super closely at a big college program and they're making run after run in the tournament. You know, it's hard to, to showcase that as a skill as it is a jumper or as a handle or as a, you know, being 6'10 and being able to get from the three point line to the rim in one step like AD or something like that. So it takes and still, I think even to this point, there are still people that don't quite understand how much having a guy like that can help a team win. And that's why I'm trying to really emphasize that point before we get to the basketball sides of it. Cause it's, it's basketball, but it's really just his personality and it's not something that you can learn. It's not something that as Darius just said that you can turn off and it's also not something that necessarily lasts forever because the basketball effectiveness and the, that has to be at a certain level in order for that, to, for, in order for you to be able to act like that. Same thing with Chris Paul, right? But he has, it's yet to go yet. And I saw it every day. It really did change the Timberwolves culture um, from a defensive standpoint. It wasn't Carl Anthony Towns. It wasn't Edwards, who's great for other reasons. It wasn't D'Angelo Russell. You know, they got Beverly and they just became a serious team. They became a serious adult team and, and they became a little bit less likable and things didn't always look neat on either end of the floor, but it just worked. And, and I also think that there are parts of that that the Clippers missed um, in a different yeah. way. So it's that I just want to hammer that home, Pete, uh, as we as we eventually, I'm sure, move on. I actually think that they're going to miss him quite a bit. Just real quick, Mike, I'd love your thoughts on that with Minnesota, with the Gobert trade and all of that. I think that Pat Bev leaving is going to hurt them. I'm curious, what, watching more of them than I have, what you think about that? Well, for sure, because then because if you're not if you're not getting that from a player like Beverly, right, then your leaders have to be doing it or there's got to be somebody else with that kind of cachet. And there aren't a lot of those guys out there in the street. So is Carl Anthony Towns going to do that? No, that's not his personality. Is D'Angelo Russell? No, I could see Edwards getting closer to being that type Mm -hmm. of a leader and kind of an athlete. So I want to give him some room for growth there. But Gobert doesn't do that either. And so that's all of a sudden, it's a little bit of a void in that context. You know, for for Milwaukee, Giannis does that kind of in his own way. And then, you know, it, it's a different way. He, it's not he's not the same as Pat Bev, but his the way that he plays drives teammates in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. And because he's so great at breaking down a defense. 
And I think for many years, there's a certain element of LeBron that could do that by bringing a certain amount of swagger, even if he's not going to necessarily yell at teammates uh, constructively for a full game. But I don't I don't know who that person is now in Minnesota. And I think it's important to identify somebody like that and into Darius to try to to try to fill the gap um, in that on court leadership that just can't be can't be faked. No, to me, it comes down to accountability and like that's what it really is, Mike. And so when you talk about Giannis or you talk about LeBron or you talk about any of the other like great leaders in the league um, who are also great players, it's that accountability factor. And there's a reason why some players, as great as they are from a skill standpoint or how many stats that they can produce or whatever, that their teams cap out at a certain level. And it's because Mm -hmm. there is a galvanizing force that a different class of player brings that carries accountability with him. And that's what LeBron has had over the course of his entire career. He walked in as a rookie with that, Mike. It was that ability to not only play to a certain level, but to be like, this is the standard that I'm setting. It's what Kobe did. It's what Shaq did. It's what Magic Johnson did. It's what the greatest of the great players do. And when you're a role player, And you can bring that element because your star players don't necessarily bring that specific thing to the table. Then I do think that you can be missed when it's gone if you don't replace it from somewhere else. And I would agree that Edwards is the best candidate for them to help replace some of what Pat Bev brought. Pete, the last little note here to make a comment about coaching is that, of course, coaches do this kind of thing, but it's just different. So you get in the film room and 100%. like last year, do you think Frank Vogel wasn't pointing out and, and making guys accountable for all the different defensive rotations they missed and for not getting back in, in transition defense? But you got to have a player who's willing to not only back that up, but to make it uncomfortable if it needs to yep. be, to yell at somebody, to get into a fight with somebody, to not be scared, even if you have to say something to reporters at some point, like there's th- that that's part of that accountability that all coaches know all these things. But they can't enforce it in the same way um, if you don't have somebody that's willing to be a bad guy and that's willing to say it. It's so much more powerful when it's coming from somebody who's in the trenches with you. Like, you didn't make that rotation, but I did. I busted my ass on this play and you weren't paying attention. So we gave up a layup. Don't do that again. I need you. I need you. And there's a certain uh, just there's not a coach cannot do that. That's not their job. It's not their place on the team. And so that, like when you guys brought up Anthony Edwards, the first thing I thought is like, he's five to seven years younger than most of the other guys that you're talking about. It's difficult to be the leader, the guy that carries that when you're the kid on the team as well. And so it's one of the things I'm curious about. I agree with you on him and I think he's great. I think he's fantastic, but that'll be a challenge for them. But on a team like us, that what Pat Bev was saying on Stephen A. Smith's show about like, I'll tell LeBron when he misses that rotation, I will speak up. I will make things uncomfortable, like you just said, Mike, and we will address that in the moment. That was that is at the core of the point that I've been making for a while now of us not taking today seriously enough. And that we because of the injuries, one of the things that I think it led to was this like, oh, we'll get to it once we get healthy. We will X, Y, Z. You don't know if you're going to get healthy. You got to be, and you don't, and maybe if you're not healthy, you're not a championship team. That doesn't mean you don't work in today because 
Things happen, you get lucky, something happens, you trade for Powell in the middle of the season, and because you did everything right and you worked hard, you play hard, you go from a season that started with a Kobe trade request and ended in the NBA Finals. And that slingshots you to the next year, you build on that year to win the NBA Finals the year after that. It all matters. And so... Guys like Pat Bev being in the moment and addressing that, I think that I'm just, I'm really excited about that aspect of him. Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's put that to the side and talk about Patrick Beverly, the basketball player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So as you said, Mike, I'm a big fan of ball pressure guards. I think they are the pass rushers of the NBA, a pass rusher like the NFL, in that they're the people that make the decision maker, the guy who has the ball in his hands, his job uncomfortable, his reads a little bit harder. Uh, just it can stop everything. If, if you drop back and you got a great play drawn up, but Aaron Donald is on top of you in two seconds, like the play's blown up. And there's a certain power in that defensively that matters a lot. And so when I was evaluating this team, knowing that we probably had a couple of moves coming up, one of the big things I thought is we don't really have a main ball pressure guy. And thinking that we're going to kind of do what Milwaukee does defensively, I'm like, who is that Drew Holiday role? Who's the Javon Carter type of guy who's really going to get up into your jersey and pressure you? That's really central to that style of play. And I'm looking and I'm like, Austin's our best guy at that. And he's good at it, but he should be your second or ideally third best guy at that if you're going to be really good at that. And so adding Pat Bev as a player defensively, D, that point of attack defender is important in this style of defense, just as it was in Frank Vogel's. And that ability to put pressure on the ball is something that that is what Patrick Beverly has expertise in. We always talk about the fire that he plays with, and we spent a whole first half of the show talking about that. 
he is an expert at understanding what's coming next and how to beat, beat you, what I need to do, where I need to swipe down to get that deflection, what's going to happen next. That is why he's in the NBA. He's not a great dribbler, not a great shooter, not a great passer, and he's 6'1". And yet he's had a long NBA career because he's an expert at this. So talk to me about the hole that Pat Bev fills from that point of attack defense standpoint. I mean, you said it all there and a lot of what you said is exactly why the Lakers need a player like him. The sort of subcategory of what you're discussing that is super important to me within the context of what the Lakers of what I think the Lakers are going to do defensively is he can he can play up some. So he is a viable player to switch with, even though he's small. Mm-hmm which is going to be super important for lineups in which LeBron and AD are playing power forward and center. He is not going to be this ultra, this ultra liability defensively when switching on to a bigger player, whether it's a bigger wing or even if it's a big, he will battle. He is not built like Kyle Lowry or even Chris Paul, where he's got like um, a bigger trunk. In order Mm -hmm. to sort of, but he is strong though, but he is strong and he is very good at creating leverage. You will see clips where it's almost like he is leaning up against a wall. Like he looks like Michael Jackson in the smooth criminal video, man. (laughs) He is, he is on an angle trying to wedge a guy out of post position. So I think a, that is super, super important. So that's one subcategory of ball pressure. That I think is is important. It's that can you provide that ball pressure across multiple positions, regardless, right? Can you get in? Can you front when it's time to front? Can you just maneuver your body in between the ball and the player if that's what needs to happen, or between the player and the basket if if that needs to happen? And the other category, Mike, that I think is super important when it comes to defense and on ball defense, not only in the NBA but. For the type of scheme that the Lakers are likely going to run, which is more drop coverage action, is can you get over the top of screens? It's literally the most important skill that you can have at the point of attack in a pick and roll heavy league is can you get over the top of screens or avoid being screened? And Beverly, Beverly is going to do that. He is not going to die on screens. He is going to fight and he is going to get over the top of screens. He is going to deny screening angles in general. So if his job is to push you to the left and the screen is coming to his left hand side so that in order to like have a guy go right, right, then he's going to jump up and take away that screening angle and Mm -hmm. keep you left. He is going to do all of these little tactics and that's what they are they are tactics they are on ball tactics in order to keep the defensive integrity that you want kept within your defensive scheme when i talk about him being a defensive expert that's the type of stuff that i mean where it's like oh we're weaking the screen right here i need to get in this position by this point and attack the ball handler in this way he's kind of like just pulling tools out of his toolbox to to win that little micro battle that happens within a possession. Yeah. And so Mike, if you're playing in drop coverage and you need to get over the top of a screen, you need someone like Beverly. It's just exactly what it is. And it's what his value is going to be for the Lakers defensively. It's not, it's not only that, okay, there are going to be times where you want him to pressure 94 feet. Great. But in the half court, 
can you stay in front of the ball and can you stay in front of the ball or stay connected to the ball even when they're trying to screen you to get you off? And if the answer is yes, your defense is going to be so much better for it. And to me, that's where his value is, Mike. You know, when you guys get into the real Coach Pete and Coach Darius mode, and I'm like, guys, just, <laughs> you don't have to throw me in. Did it just keep going back and forth a little bit, right? But I see, <laughs> but you still, you don't want to leave me sitting here for too long without a jump shot. Um, so I'll, I'll give you one, but it's, and it's some, <laughs> it's somewhat related. So Beverly only play, he doesn't play as many minutes as you might think. Like when you, when you just kind of think of, because he seems like he's omnipresent, right? But so last year for Minnesota, he played 25 per game. The year before for the Clippers, he played 23 year before that 26 there's a certain element because of the way that he plays it's hard to play 35 36 minutes that way i I think a little bit like caruso where caruso's minutes once chicago tried to extend his minutes he ended up getting hurt not just because of that but like i always worried about that a little bit with caruso mike beverly has never played 32 minutes a game his high is 31.3 and so it's interesting when you think about a rotation. We've spent how much time have we spent this offseason being like, well, I don't know how we can really anticipate this rotation, not knowing exactly yeah. what's going on with Russ. Well, now you bring Beverly in here. To me, clearly a better fit next to, next to LeBron and AD in a starting point guard type spot. Like you get the defense, right? You get the guy who doesn't need the basketball. He can shoot off the ball at least decently, right? Career 37, 38% shooter. Last year was down a little bit. But uh, we'll we'll save that as we still don't know exactly what the personnel is going to be. But I like him in that starting spot. I like him getting the team going from an energy standpoint from a uh, from because and then I don't think he closes a ton of games because by that point, usually you get more people that are locked in late where you don't have to (laughs) where you don't like if you're in crunch time, you're not you're most likely not going to have somebody else on the floor who isn't paying attention in a certain way. See, I think that was Riggs, Mike, disagreeing with you. I think he's absolutely on this team, especially. That's one of my biggest problem with this Lakers team is like, we don't have enough guys. We have LeBron and AD. Great. Who else? We've been talking about that three through nine recently, right? And so Pat Bev, to me, on this team in particular, I think on some other teams, maybe he's not always going to close, but I'd be very surprised if he didn't close on a lot of nights with this squad. So what what I'm saying, okay, so that's, that's fair given what the roster is right now. But he hasn't closed, is my point. Like, usually Minnesota would start that way, but then they would go with D'Lo and, and Edwards maybe in the backcourt. Mm. Like, you can't you can't start and finish and play 25 minutes a game too often unless you're just out for um, long stretches of play. But that, mm-hmm. your, your point is fair there. The last thing I want to say about Beverly here, his per 36 stats are really interesting because he doesn't – it's like it's almost like looking at a big man in a certain way. So he actually had his second most efficient scoring season last year, even though his points overall were down. So he averaged 13 per 36. And it's like, well, why? Oh, well, a couple of things. So his offensive rebounding, his offensive rebounding is much better than you might think. And he got to the free throw line almost twice as much as he had previously in his career last year. Wow. So he's he's starting to get a couple of and those are mostly guys, by the way, on tricks as well. And that's the kind of stuff that doesn't work as oh, well yeah. in crunch time. It doesn't work as well in the postseason, And that's a little mm-hmm. bit what I'm getting at. Like when you, if you're playing at a really high level of, of basketball and the other team knows exactly what Beverly's going to do, like there, there are ways to contain that to me. He's more of a type of bridge player that really, he raises your team's floor, but you need some mm-hmm. other, some other guys that might have an additional skill set or have some additional size, ideally right on a team. So 
I, I that's where I want to. A lot of this has been praised about Beverly, but th- that's where to me some of the weaker points of the game can be exposed eventually for other teams that are locked in and and that are sort of seeing know how to play him. And the same thing, by the way, I keep drawing the Chris Paul comparison. Same thing happens to Chris Paul in playoff series. So because they're, but yeah, th- I've, I've said enough there. Uh, but that's these are just some things that are going to be very interesting as we as we examine Beverly closely now on a day by day basis. So I think that all of that's true. The question that I'm wondering is how true it remains on a team that's built around basically a power forward and a center in your closing lineups. It's one thing for it to be true, Mike, where basically you have two high usage, mid to high usage guards or wings like Edwards mm-hmm. and D'Lo. Mm-hmm. And then you have Towns in a different way, right? It's or if your other two best players are high usage wings like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, right, where they are basically there's a lot of players there who are going to be occupying the same spots of the floor that you are. And they're the team's best players. And so where does that leave you and what value do you bring over maybe a different fitting type of player who is another wing or a big man or a power forward or someone like that who is going to supplement the lineup in a way that that's equal or in some matchups better than you will. So I wonder, Pete, is that going to be the same with the Lakers this year where they do have a lot of guards? Yes. Mm -hmm. But the guards that they have are not usage guards. And the guy who's very likely to have the ball in his hands at the end of the game is LeBron James, who and he could operate from so many different spots on the floor and initiate offense from those different spots on the floor that Beverly won't be confined to only standing in the corner, right, where his value there you typically want a big guy spacing to the corner because you want that guy not protecting the basket. You want the guy who's defending him not protecting the basket. If it's a guard down there, it's a different equation. And so there are so many tactical things that come with a LeBron James, Anthony Davis-led team that differ from almost any other roster construction in the entire league that I do wonder if Bev would have a better chance at closing out games versus some of the other teams that have been in high leverage situations and you're just like, oh, yeah, there's Pat Bev again sitting on the bench potentially, right? Because his fit wasn't as good to close out games with his with the types of teammates that he had. So I'm more open to seeing it happen with the Lakers, even though I think Mike's points are well made. Well, I think like in the championship season, our guards, like who closed the game, varied on who was playing well that game. KCP didn't close every game. Danny Green didn't close every game. Avery Bradley, when he was, didn't close every game. The point was that you had like four guys to choose from. And of that, whoever was playing well that night would get those minutes. And one of the things that I like, it's so funny. I, I'm, we're not quite there. And I think the, what happens with Russ is the biggest thing that determines the quality of our offseason, I think. But up until this point, I think we've, recognized a few of our mistakes from the previous season. And one of them was the whole has to make sense. Whereas on last year's team, we had a bunch of guards, a bunch of guys that kind of did the same thing that were, it was not that they individually were bad or that that guy can't play. It was when you look at it as a, as a whole, you don't have enough different type of guys. You don't have that defensive guard. You don't have like, you don't have, 
different tools to go to, which I think with role players is really important. And so when I look at our guard core this year, put Russ out of the equation for, for a moment. I see different types of guards. Kendrick Nunn does something different than Patrick Beverly does. Austin Reeves is a different player than both of them. Lonnie Walker brings something different than both of them do. And so I think that, although Walker and Nunn have have some overlap, but having different types of players to choose from, and just when you're talking that caliber of player that isn't a write them in pen, I'm going to close, I'm a star type of player type of guy. Mike, that's something I think is valuable on this year's team is we have a lot of guys kind of around a similar caliber of player and they do different things. And I think that when you're building a team and you have limited resources to work with, that's kind of the ending spot you want to end at. I think we did a good job with that. Well, I think that's that's really good points that you both made there. And if I had to pick out five guys on the current roster to close a game, Beverly would certainly be on that list. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm uh, the point that I'm trying to bring together with that is that if you have a full roster and you're trying to get through a season, like you got it, you got to have some other options that you feel confident with. And and there's you don't necessarily want Beverly playing more than that range of minutes that we were discussing earlier. And it's hard to start and finish doing that. But I can't argue with the way that you guys just described uh, certainly his fit next to LeBron and AD and why I like that's, which is the biggest reason why I like the trains to start, right? Cause I have similar feelings, Pete about THT. And I, I know we're going to get into that later. Yeah. And even Stanley Johnson who had some moments, yep. but, but this was a, this was a move that if you just, just put it on the table and I have to say yes or no, then it's just a very clear yes because of what the rest of the roster tells you and because of what I think the team's specific needs are. Uh, and and that's not even to get into the expiring contract, right, that that you have at the deadline um, for $13 million that, that, depending on how things are going, um, can be used in various ways, right, that, that I think are more productive than what the other contract situation would have been um, in terms of THT and Johnson, but... But yeah, your your points are well made there, and and I think it. I can't wait until we have the we. we hey guys, here's what the roster is going to be like, not just for yeah. us, but for Darvin Ham, and then we can really we can actually assign minutes to guys that we think would make the most sense because it's hard to do that right now. Yeah, so I'm with Mike. Just in the big picture, this is Beverly fills in gaps that existed on on the roster before and it's important for a well-rounded roster to have the things that he's going to bring to the table. I do think that his competitive spirit and his just drive to sort of be the type of player that he's been over the course of his career and him understanding why he's in the league, that's going to help the Lakers more than it's going to hurt them. And I, I, I've mentioned this a couple of different times. It is going to hurt them in certain situations. Like when you are ultra competitive, that competitiveness often spills into decisions that you should not make. It's just like, and those are the things that I've watched enough Pat Beverly to know where I'm just like, no, bro, like that's a dumb foul. Like, like you didn't need the pressure there. Like you're playing the game within the game, right? And but that first game is the game. Yeah, you don't that zoom still out. Matters. You're not zooming like you were saying earlier. You got to be able to zoom out to some level rather than just be so locked in and focus on that that micro battle. Yeah, yeah. And so those are the things where it's just like okay, and it's why he's played twenty five, twenty six, twenty eight minutes a night and not been a thirty two, thirty four minute a night player. The other thing is too is that 
with the level of physicality that he plays with, it's just like he will get banged up too and he will catch some nicks and and he will miss some games. And it's another reason why, Mike, that the idea of him playing more isn't the best idea in the same way that Caruso, like you'd love to have 40 minutes of Alex Caruso a night. It's just like, yeah, well, if he plays 40 minutes a night, he's very likely to play 30 games a season. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just how that ratio goes. And finding the right balance is, is going to be important with Pat Bev. That said, the qualities that he brings, I think ultimately are going to be a net positive. I do think though, that like, we haven't talked at all about like his relationship with Russell Westbrook and all this other stuff. Like there is inherent drama that the Lakers just invited to their roster as well. And that does then Pete said it earlier, like, well, putting Russ to the side. Well, a lot of the analysis about this trade in the aftermath isn't putting Russ to the side. It's putting him front and center because of his history with this specific player that that the team just traded for. We're not going to dive into that aspect right this second, but it is a variable that's at play now as well. And 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 so it's another reason why I do expect more things to change and that as Mike alluded to, it would be great to know sooner than later what the roster is actually going to look like because I'm even more convinced now that this is not the final version of the team and Pat Bev is the first move yeah. of maybe two or three more that we're going to see in order to finalize a roster that the Lakers think can compete for a championship. And so we'll see how that goes. And if I can speak to that On a practical sense as well, we've talked a lot about having a skill guard next to LeBron in AD. And Patrick Beverly is not that. That's one of my concerns about him is that he doesn't do anything dependably offensively. He can do a bunch of different things kind of okay. And he'll have his nights just like any NBA player does. But there's no like, all right, closing five, LeBron and AD are going. Pat Bev, you're going to fill in the blank, right? It's so there's Mike, it's not something that you can depend on. If you were to pick between a, a ball pressure guard and a skill guard, right? Those are different types that you like. And and I get that we're limiting and a lot of guys have some of 60, 40, right? It's not 50, 50, but what, like, where do you go? Where does your heart go? On a LeBron and AD team, our third superstar in the championship season was our defense. And one of the things I'm happy about about this roster, and again, we're, I don't think we're done. I think we've gotten our defensive house in order about as much as we could. And a big part of that was having that pass rusher, that ball pressure guy. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick that. I also think that if you pick that, then the other guy, you got two guards on the floor at any given time, usually at least the other guy, I think it ups the importance of the other guy being someone who can shoot, who can dribble the ball, who has perimeter gravity that will, I think that helps fill that hole that a guy like Pat Bev just doesn't address when you trade for him. We've talked about all the things he does bring to the table, but one of the things that he doesn't bring to the table is offensive dependability. I know I'm going to get this from him every night. You know, you're going to get him playing hard and he can do what he does, but he's not an expert at anything offensively. And so that I think we need a guard. And that was before Pat Bev came into the conversation. We've been talking about that skill guard for a minute. So I'm curious to see what else happens, but at least uh, one of the dominoes has fallen. So we will be back on the next episode to talk THT and Stanley. I want to talk about him as well. We'll probably talk about this trade also more from uh, what they gave up and, you know, assets and put on our GM hats a bit. Um, But that will be 
next week, probably on Monday. Everyone have a great weekend. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLaughlin. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, stick so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.